about a, a month ago or so, maybe a month and a half now, when we were we were driving back to Chicago from being uh, with my family after after my dad died and after the funeral and after the all the the things to take care of after that, and we stopped for lunch at a Taco Bell somewhere outside of Nashville, and because of the pandemic, there was there's no uh, there was no dine-in. You couldn't go. There's only only the drive-through, and I, I know losing the experience of dining inside a Taco Bell is one of the great tragedies of this pandemic. But uh, we were we were in the we were in um, the drive-through, and the, the line was was kind of wrapped out of the parking lot onto onto the road, and a guy pulls into the Taco Bell parking lot um, from the wrong direction. And he realizes that he's missed the back of the line and that the that the line is is still growing. And and this guy starts getting ex- explosively angry. He's he, he's jerking his car back and forth in the parking lot kind of unpredictably and, and radical um, uh, just just um in uh, kind of frightening ways, and uh, he starts just screaming to him um, to himself, I suppose. And then, um, as as the drive-through line is moving forward, our car kind of pulls in front of him where where he's parked, and he starts yelling at me. He he could he could turn around and just go the way that he came in, but he really, really, really wants to go forward where I am, in between me and the car in front of me, and to go wherever he wants to go. And so I, I I kind of make this gesture like you know what do you, what do you want and he's he's screaming at me, uh, and uh, I I I slowly back up to give him space but I'm going I'm being careful I'm going slowly and he and he kind of lurches forward to get through leaving like almost no space and as he's squeezing through between between us and the car in front of us he looks at me and just screams something like where did you learn how to drive. And he and he drives off, and thankfully the, the situation didn't escalate beyond that. And one of my kids threatened to punch him in the face, which was um, perhaps not uh, the Christian response, but it was kind of gratifying in, in one sense as, as his dad. But the incident, re- it just really got under my skin. I, I felt attacked by this, this irrationally angry man who obviously had something going on that had nothing to do with me, and nothing to do with the drive-through lane at Taco Bell, and I, I wanted I wanted something to happen to to make that right, to, to to bring peace and justice to this 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 scene that kind of really uh, just unraveled me for that moment. Now that's a relatively small incident. I'll I'll never see that guy again. It doesn't really matter, and yet some things do matter. We we face real enemies. We have real conflict all the time. We have spiritual conflict. We have relational conflict. There's cultural conflict. We have enemies. We need somewhere to turn when we're under attack. We're starting a new series uh, today, the next five weeks, called Psalms of Refuge. And we're, we're looking at, at five psalms that invite us to become refugees and to find refuge. That's what ref- refugees find refuge. They, they look for refuge. And we're, the, the, the scriptures invite us to find refuge in God himself. They invite us to, f- to find safety in him in our trouble. Today we're looking at Psalm 3. And I'll encourage you to turn there if you can. Psalm 3, in inviting us to find refuge in God when the trouble you face is being under attack. Here's Psalm 3. O Lord, how many are my foes! Many are rising against me. 
Many are saying of my soul, There is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The point I want to make today from that psalm is that when many are against you, there is always one who is for you. Look at kind of three points here. The trouble, the anchor, and the cry. Uh, first of all, the trouble. Uh, when, when many are against you, there's, there's always one for you. But, but what's, what, what's the trouble here? But you notice in first in in verses uh, verses one and two is what I what I call the three many's. There's three times the word many. How many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, "There is no salvation for him in God." And if you look up above verse one, there's these kind of maybe in in your um, in your Bibles it might be kind of in a smaller uh, text or a smaller print. It says. A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. That's called the superscription. I don't know why it's called that. This is what it's called. But those words are from the original text of Scripture itself, identifying who wrote the psalm and what was happening when he wrote it. So this is, it's David wrote it, or it's certain on behalf of David, and it's describing his experience of fleeing from his son, Absalom. Now, what was happening there was, it, it, it's for David, it, it was trouble that was rooted in the most bitter of family conflict. It started with sexual assault of a brother against his sister. Then it went to a revenge murder, the murder of the, of the abuser by Absalom, another brother. And then that murderer, Absalom, became, over time, became elevated by popularity, became elevated by political intrigue. And then it led to Absalom Absalom trying to dethrone his father David, and David having to flee for his life in fear and shame from his own son. That That's the trouble that, that he's facing as, as he writes these words. And some other places in scripture kind of fill in what the experience is. So when it says that that, that, that many are my foes, uh, it says in Second Samuel, and while Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, the, the Gilonite, David's counselor from the city Gilo. And the conspiracy grew strong, and the people with Absalom kept increasing. And a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. <laughs> many are his foes, that the conspiracy was growing. And then it says later that, uh, that there was, as he's fleeing in shame, there's, there's one man who's, his name is Shimei, who's, who's kind of taunting him as he's, as he's leaving town. And he says, the Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose places you have reigned. And the Lord has given the, the kingdom into the hand of your son, Absalom. See, your evil is on you for you are a man of blood. 
it's, it's not just what people are doing to him, it's what they're saying to him, which lines up with verse 2. People, Many are saying of his soul that there's no salvation for him in God. That's what he's facing. That's the trouble that he is in. That's, he is under attack. And translate that to just your own present experience right now. What's, what's your trouble? What's, what's attacking you? Who's attacking you? What I've, I've, as I've grieved my father, I've found some things that have surprised me in in this in in the grief process. I've found that the grief can surface in surprising ways that I didn't anticipate. Um, I've I, I I regularly have dreams about my dad. Uh, if if our dreams kind of expose what we what we fear the most or what we desire the most, it's kind of. Well, I, I'm dreaming about what I'm, what, 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 um, what is most painful to me that I may not even think about during the day. I've also noticed that what makes the grief hard is when it is, is when it, it doesn't happen in isolation, but it, it it's compounded with with all the other trouble that that I have to, to face. There's all the trouble with the pandemic that all of us face. There's there's family stress. There's there's work stress. There's just, my foes are many, and it makes this one trouble a lot harder and more complicated to, uh, to deal with. Let, let, me, let, let, me, let me list some more, some more trouble. Think about the, the types of foes that are against you, especially when, 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 that, when that attack has a person or people behind it. There's criticism. There's racism sexism, physical violence, various kinds of assault and abuse. Someone from the church told me, someone who's not white, told me that, that every time they they leave the city and they leave the, the, the safe diversity of, of the city and they go to places that, that are kind of monolithically white, it is just kind of this unending burden that is on their shoulders of of being the the being the the odd people out where every eye is on you. It's a, a constant weight of feeling out of place. Other people, some women, have talked to me how uh, how the office can be this this toxic place where the cards are stacked in favor of the upper management, all all of whom are men, and it's just really really hard. I think of you know, physical violence. Um, you live in a place like Chicago, as as wonderful as it is in many ways, it, it's just the part of life too for too many people. I remember when the, the first apartment that we lived in in the city, it was on the west side in Tri Taylor, just just west of the of the medical district, and our upstairs neighbor was this extremely kind and gentle Indian couple um, um, named Manny and his wife. I, f- I forgot his wife's name. Uh, Manny, he was a, he was a med student, and he was just just the the most gentle person. And one day, as as my family had been out for a, a long walk, Manny was walking back from the hospital um, to his his apartment just above us, and two guys, right, just two kids, followed him, uh, ran kind of ran him down, and ta- on our street, this kind of quiet little cul-de-sac, uh, tackled him. Uh, hit him, took his phone, left him bloody, uh, and and ran away. And, and I I I remember feeling so angry about that, and 
fantasizing how I wish I could have been there. I, I wish I could have been there to, 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 to defend my, my kind neighbor against this, this wickedness. Now, of all those troubles of, of sexism, racism, violence, I've only ever really experienced criticism. But, but, but take, take criticism. Sometimes criticism is loving, and it's offered in good timing, and it's, and, and it's for the, the, the intention of correction. And sometimes it's harsh, and it comes in really bad timing. And it's not for correction, but it's just for condemnation. And sometimes, and sometimes it's a combination of of the two. It, it's they're, they're helpful things, and there are are, are not are, uh, they're unhelpful things. And you, you need humility to to receive what is offered lovingly, to, to receive what is helpful. But it, it it doesn't change the fact that the part that which is is harsh and unfair can be like the many foes that are against you. You have so many foes, which means that there's so much to fear. There's the fear of what people can do to you, the fear of what people can say about you, and even the fear of what you think people might be thinking about you. And the truth is that the, the, the trouble gets much much deeper than that. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians 6 that we don't just wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, um, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This, the trouble that we face, the many foes that rise against us are, are cosmic and spiritual. We face our flesh, we face uh, the world and its brokenness, and the devil himself. It, it goes that deep. What's your trouble? Chances are there are many foes who have risen up against you. And you need to find refuge. Secondly, the anchor. To find refuge is is to find an anchor. Uh, I, I used to have a, a friend with a boat, um, and this friend said, "Don't ever get a boat. Get have, have a friend who has a boat." And so he, he was my friend who, who had a boat, and he, he take take me out on his boat sometimes, and uh, we would go to a certain spot, um, and it was on it was on a river, and and to you know, prevent the boat from floating away or to floating into the shallows or floating against the bank, he dropped anchor, and it was this process: the anchor would drop, and he would kind of, kind of back, basically, kind of grind the anchor um, 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 on the on the the um, the floor of the of the lake of the river until it kind of got into a um, a good stable um, position. In verses 3 through 6, the, um, David is himself finding, he's putting his anchor down. And this anchor is, is who God is. It's his safety, his protection from these foes. But it's not something that, that David just discovers, but he, he is actively anchoring himself in God's protection. This, this work of anchoring is an active work of faith. What does this anchor look like? Well, three, three things. Um, first... This anchor meets me exactly where I'm being attacked. In verse three, there are there are three statements about the Lord, which I think kind of mirror the the three many's in verses one and two. So if there are, if there are three, um, if, if, if verses one and two, there are are three times many foes, many dangers. There are mirroring that there are three things happening in verse three. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. One my glory, and the lifter of my head. In each of those 
those three statements speaks to speaks to exactly where I'm being attacked. The shield, the shield speaks to your fear, and fear, you know, is it's 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 a major it's it's the major player in this in in the danger from these from these foes. And, and think about it's think about the shape of a spear. It it's something that you know it's it's a roundish shape and you would hold in front of you, but it it, it doesn't protect your whole body. I remember this is probably thirty years ago, seeing a movie, a, a historical epic of um, is the very end of it. Uh, of these a, a battalion of Roman soldiers uh, were doing battle with. Um, or, or, or kind of were ambushed by the these other enemy soldiers, um, and this the Roman soldiers were in the circle in the middle, and their enemies kind of had the high ground surrounded them, and there was no way out, and it was this kind of heroic last stand. But what they did is they all kind of got together and held their shields up, and their enemies you know shot arrows into the uh, um, in, into the group, and one by one, even though they had their shields, uh, they. Uh, uh, their shields were not enough, and one by one they were struck down. I have no idea what movie that was. It just that that the memory has stuck with me. But what he what, something about this shield, who the Lord is, is that it is a shield or about me. It, it is a shield that 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 is. He's kind of he's kind of being um, not very literal here. It's not just a shield that protects me in this part of me, but leaves me kind of exposed from behind. But it is a kind of shield that protects me at every point. It's he meets me at, in a place that speaks to my fear. He shields me at every point. He's also the Lord's also your glory. And his the fact that the Lord is your glory speaks to your shame. Because when foes rise against you, you don't just face fear, you face shame. There's the shame of condemnation, the shame of the of violence and assault. I remember hearing a story, I can't remember now who, who said this, but it was someone's grandfather or father describing um an experience in his youth, and he he was riding with his friends, and and as as they're they're driving along, there was an old black man who was crossing the street and crossing the, the street slowly, because um, he, he was he was old. He, he moved slowly, and the the driver kind of slammed on his brakes, laid on his horn, and started screaming the most um, evil, perverse, racist things at him. And the, this the pastor in the car. So he was just forever haunted by the look in that man's eyes, the look of his dignity, but also just the shame of what he was hearing from this, from this man behind the wheel. But the Lord is your glory, which speaks to the shame that comes when the attacks come. So the shield glory. And then I think my favorite line from this whole song, this whole Psalm the lifter of my head. I think there are two ways to look at that. There's, there's the lifting of your head, when kind of like the, uh, lifting up your countenance, lifting up your your spirits. I think think about how you, when attacks come, how how you respond. And it's, at least for me, there can be an emotional exhaustion that is associated with with that trouble, that attack, that I. I literally get laid out. I literally have to lay down and just rest because it's it's that tiring. And yet the Lord lifts your head. Another way to look at it is 
is the way this that phrase is used elsewhere in, in the Psalms by, by David. It's lifting the head, not just of people, but lifting the head of the king in order to crown him in victory over his enemies. Which means that this lifting up of your head isn't just comfort, but it's it's victory. When, when, when foes rise up against you, one of the things you face is just defeat, failure. And yet the Lord is your victory. So he's your shield, he's your glory, he's the lifter of, of your head. If many are against you and you face fear, God is your shield. If you face shame, God is your glory. And if you face defeat and rejection, he is the lifter of your head. Go somewhere. Go somewhere. Wherever you're under attack, that's where God meets you. Second, he doesn't just meet me where I am, where I'm being attacked, but he also hears me. So verse 4 says, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. His holy hill is, is Mount Zion. It's, it's, it's the place where, where he dwells in power. He, he hears me from his place of power, and, 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 and he listens. The, the, the way that you find refuge in God and anchor yourself in him is anchoring yourself to the one who hears you. So he, he meets you where you are. He, he hears you. And third, he sustains you. It says in verse 5, I lay down and slept. I woke again. For the Lord sustained me. Here's how one scholar puts it. He says, surrounded by enemies who want to kill him, the psalmist finds himself in a situation naturally inviting insomnia. But it is his conviction that the Lord sustains him, that, that makes sleep possible in an impossible situation. And that these words then kind of move towards the next morning when you wake up. That the psalmist has already slept, he says. God has sustained him through the night so that now... With a confidence rooted in rest, he can look forward to another day in the presence of the God who sustains. And I really resonate with that. I've my whole life I've been a, a poor sleeper. I can have a hard time falling asleep, a hard time staying asleep in the night, a hard time sleeping in into a, an hour that I feel rested. Uh, I, I, I'm a poor sleeper, and it is striking how how conflicts and fear and stress can make that my poor sleep so much so much harder. And yet, I'm invited to take anchor in the one who sustains me, who gives me the reason to to sleep and to rest, and then to wake up and to go forward in that sustaining power. So what do you do with all this? Well, the the application comes in verse 6. I will not be afraid. Because of all those things, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. He's not afraid. The broader point is you, you, you come to that place of, of moving out of fear because you have found that anchor. The, David is saying these things to himself in order to anchor himself in the trouble. And think about when, when, when trouble comes, when the attack comes, what do you do? Where do you turn? Of, of course, you, you face fear. There's, there's so much that, that legitimately is there to make you afraid. And fear is in itself is not wrong. It's not sinful. It, it is the appropriate reaction to things that are dangerous to you. But the question is, what do you, what do, you do past that? Where, where do you turn to in your fear? Do you, do you turn to hide? 
Do you retreat? Do you appease? Do you go the other way? Do you do you turn to fight and and accuse and 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 plot revenge? These words are inviting you not to turn to hide or to turn to fight, but to turn to anchor and find refuge in the one who meets you exactly where you're under attack, who hears you and who sustains you. So the trouble, the anchor, one last thing, the cry. He's he's anchored himself in who God is and what God has already done for him. He still faces trouble. The trouble hasn't just disappeared. And so he looks to the only one who can rescue him. And he, he makes this cry, verse 7 and 8. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your salvation be on your people. In that cry, there's a, a petition and, and a praise. The, the petition is to, to, to save me. And the praise is that salvation belongs to him. That, that, that that's even even as the as the prayer is offered, it is in some sense already answered. Think about the prayer this way: that the, the that cry is a prayer, and usually there's nothing more faithful than prayer. Gary Miller says that that prayer is defined as as calling on God to come through on His promises. To pray is to ask God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. It is to admit to our weaknesses and appeal to his awesome strength. Imagine someone, maybe this is you, maybe this is just your experience, but imagine someone who's who's got more foes than the rest of us. Um, uh, uh, take someone who's who's facing clinical depression. Many foes have risen up against that person. There's the normal troubles of life, there's perhaps past trauma, there's perhaps uh, neurological misfirings going on that's causing, that, that's con- contributing to that or causing that, that, that depression. The, 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 this is a person who faces many, many foes. Ed Welch says, a, a person like that, to, 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 re, to, to cling on to faith, and to cry out for rescue, that that kind of faith is actually heroic because it's, it's so much harder for that person than, than for the rest of us. So what do you do when you face trouble, when you're under attack? You anchor yourself to who God is, and then you take that next step of faith, which might be really hard, but if it's so, it's really heroic and really commendable, and you cry out to him. And you cry out to him to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And in that cry of faith, then you can move out and begin to face that trouble. There's the trouble, the anchor, and the cry. When many are against you, one is always for you. You know, David wrote these words, but there's... There's someone whom David is preparing us for who embodies this in a way that is so much richer and um, and refreshing and helpful. Many foes rose up against Jesus. The Father did lift up Jesus' head, but not before letting him bear the full weight of facing every kind of trouble. And that's what the gospel is. 
And because of the gospel, we can say that salvation belongs to the, to, to the Lord. But, but think about think about how the gospel works. It comes through the bloody cross. It comes through crucifixion. Think about what the cross says. You may face so many foes who have all kinds of things to say about you and do to you. But there will never be any judgment greater on you than the cross. There will never be any greater condemnation on you. There will never be any greater attack against you than the cross. Because the Bible says this is actually what each person deserves. But because of the gospel, because Jesus took his place on the cross in our place, and the many foes of human wickedness and sin and demonic assault fell on him, the cross then, for those who find refuge in Jesus, who anchor to him in faith, who cry out to him in faith, even in a desperate heroic faith, the cross is now no longer the place of our greatest judgment, but it's our greatest justification. And it's no longer our greatest condemnation, but it's the place of the greatest mercy that we find. And it's no longer the greatest attack against who we are, but it becomes our shield and our glory and the lifter of our heads. There are many who are against you, but one will always be for you. So much so that he gave up everything for you. So find refuge in him. Let us pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for Jesus Many foes rose against him. Many taunted him, saying that there was no salvation for him in God. And yet that wasn't true. You were his shield. You were his glory. You lifted up his head into glorious resurrection. And because of him, because he did those things, we know that you are for us. And if you are for us, who can be against us? And yet, Lord, we face so many foes. We face foes in our own hearts, that our own voices, our own souls condemning us. We face people who hate us. We face broken relationships. We face a world that can be against us. We face demonic and spiritual assaults that we might not even realize, but which are so very real. So many rise against us, Lord. And so we cry out to you to save us, and we praise you that because of Jesus, salvation belongs to you and that we can find a refuge and an anchor in you. So Lord, help us to, to, to rest in you, to cry out to you, and to, and to move from our fear to, to turn to you and then to go forward and face whatever troubles are coming our way, whatever tack is upon us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.